I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 226 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we discuss your old episodes. In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we pontificate what the Joe Rogan move means to hobby podcasters. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we hear rumors of another podcast media host starting their IAB certification process. Lauren, start the show now. SP needs to tell me who Joe Rogan is. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to episode 226 of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew, and I am pleased to say that SP is here this week. Woohoo! It's time for a party, a better podcasting party. We do this every week. We're here on every other week. We do a live show, and this is the week we do our numbered show. So this is a full-fledged episode we're recording, Stephen. I just thought of something. Let's say that you and I got together one day. This is big imagination, okay? But you and I got together, and we decided... You mean physically in the same room. Exactly. And we decided we are going to throw a party together and stream it, basically broadcast it, you know, maybe a little live podcast or something like that. That would be a better party cast. That's what that would be. Better party cast. Reminds me of some of the early blabs. <laughs> if you didn't know this, uh, we, obviously, as it says, like literally in the intro a second ago, which you probably skipped over, uh, we're here to talk about podcasting from the hobbyist perspective. But did you know, as I stutter over myself, that we have a Facebook page, a Twitter, but we also have betterpodcasting.com. Betterpodcasting.com is where you can see all of our back episodes, as well as the spinoff show that we do, which is Better Podcasting Live Chat. If you want to check that out at betterpodcasting.com, during the live chat, they're just raw and real questions. There's not editing in there. And if you want to check that out, that's betterpodcasting.com. There's also some other random things that we've got podcasting related over there. Allegedly, SP is in the works of writing an article on how to throw a party. That's what I heard. A pod party. <laughs> In the past, we've talked about how podcasting can be quite a grueling process at times. We've talked about how at other times it can be a struggle to create content. And we've even talked about reasons why you may want to consider ending a podcast. Here's the thing. While all of these things are true, often you'll be enjoying your hobby podcast so much that one day you'll look back and wonder how you managed to do 200 episodes plus with that annoying Canadian co-host of your... 
I didn't write that there, SP. You have to read what's in the script, man. I'm sorry. Okay. You look back and you'll wonder how you did 226 episodes with that annoying Canadian co-host of yours. And when this happens, we do encourage you to look back on your podcast and realize all these successes that you've had over the years. But since you'll be listening to this podcast, the odds are you're probably going to look at your back catalog and see all sorts of issues that you also have with it. That's what's going to happen. We say that all the time. Your first episodes aren't that great. And you're going to look back and you're going to realize there are some things that you may wish you had done differently. Sometimes it might be a quality difference. Sometimes it could be to do with the core content itself. But in any case, as you're looking back, it's a good opportunity for you to reflect and see if there is actually anything you want to invest your time into to change about your back catalog. We're going to start with some considerations about why you might want to change and what you might want to change in your old episodes if you have a ton of episodes and you're looking back at your old catalog. The first thing that we'd suggest you do is to consider if you actually want to make a change to your back content. There are some people that believe podcasts should be treated the same way as TV shows or other entertainment. Once something is released, keep it released the way it was. There is no point in going back and revisiting the past. Some shows inherently are better for this approach. For example, time-sensitive podcasts like new shows. New shows are generally delivered in the current time, meaning that there probably isn't a lot of appeal of changing that back content. But on the flip side, there are some people that would rather take the George Lucas approach. For those that don't know, George Lucas was the creator of Star Wars. And George Lucas does what a lot of people want to do with their old episodes. It's never too late to make a change to your show. If you are going to consider making a change to past content like George Lucas did several times, we would think that it's important that you consider how much time you want to spend on this. Every minute you spend correcting your back catalog is a minute you are not spending on the future of your show. We think it's important to set limits on how much time you want to invest in that back catalog and stick to that time constraint. It's probably not sensible to let the future of your show suffer just to fix the past. But because of this, it's important to identify what is your end goal in making the changes. What do you think the benefits are will be of making the changes? If you're largely wanting to change the back catalog because you personally don't like it, is it really a good use of your time? We really recommend that there be a benefit to your audience, not to you individually. For example, Perhaps the changes will create broader listener appeal for new listeners who may explore your back catalog. Say that you're producing a story-based podcast, like an audio drama or a true crime podcast that has a story element to it. Going back to make the beginning of the story more listenable or entertaining could hook some more listeners from the beginning. Or perhaps at the end of a television show review podcast life, Yes, the television show is completed or canceled. You go back and fix the audio of the first few episodes to help you compete with other podcasts for a new listener that is re-watching the TV series or watching the series for the first time years later. Being able to hook a new listener in all of these cases might make the effort of changing your old episodes worthwhile. 
There's one last consideration we want to bring up, and it's more subjective to you as a podcast creator than any audience members gain. And it's that making changes might help you as the podcaster in several ways. It might help you recharge your own batteries. You might see how far you've come over the course of your show and be proud of that progress that you've made. You might hear the absolute joy that you used to have when you started podcasting, and that might bring that spark back and bring that joy to the show you've lost somehow along the way. It might help you see old content in a new light and give you ideas for future content like lost storylines or content that you want to expand on currently. It might even help you remember old jokes or co-hosts in a positive light or remind you of some segments that you should think about bringing back. So that can help you as a podcast creator. Again, reminding you what SP just said a few minutes ago, you'll really want to temper the amount of time that you devote to this trip down memory lane if that is your main reason for remastering your old episodes. But if you are getting something out of it for yourself, you could bring forward that into your show. That might end up making it worthwhile. So now that we talked about considerations, let's talk about some of the changes that you might want to make with your old episodes. The first, perhaps it's just a simple production element, or perhaps not so simple. For example, maybe you have an intro or an outro you want to change. Maybe there's some stingers you want to change or bumps. What if you used a song that you had a license to before, but now that license is no longer valid? For example, you may have used music from a library that requires you to continue subscribing to the library and you've stopped the subscription. You'd want to change those show elements to get rid of that music and insert other music that you had the rights to. Changing production elements can create a uniform feel for people who explore your back catalog, especially if your show is in a manner that somebody will go back to old episodes, such as the storytelling podcast that we talked about before. But another reason you may want to go back is if there is some content that you wish wasn't in there anymore. For example, perhaps there's something you posted and it wasn't well received. Or maybe something you said you've changed your mind on and you don't want that view that you had before reflected on you or the show anymore. Ultimately, you should be happy with what you posted and how it represents you and your show. While it's important to note that once something is on the internet, it's on the internet forever, you just have to assume that, you can still help limit how many new people to your show hear these things. Especially if you've had a change of mind on a subject, making the change shows that you've reconsidered your position and you do believe in your new opinion. While we're talking content, one thing that you might want to consider is your episode zero. We did a whole episode on episode zero, but this is something that is often changed because the core content is changed or perhaps no longer valid. One of the most common things that we hear people talk about, though, is audio remastering. We think that it's fair to say that the majority of podcasters do get better with their audio quality as they grow. Sometimes it's because of audio equipment changes and upgrades, or sometimes it's just because they've learned new techniques or how to better use the equipment. Whatever the case, you may look back at your back catalog and hear some things that you wish that you could fix. 
For example, SP a million times on this show, he shared how when he first started podcasting, he cranked up the bass on his mic and it was muddy. And he went and he tried to do what he could to remaster that in early episodes of the Starling Tribune. If you do think you have the ability to fix audio, then you may want to do it. We do, however, caution that you don't want to get too detailed because this really can be a very deep rabbit hole. If you're spending a bunch of time editing out those ums or the ahs, you're probably taking away from that time that you could be spending doing this on your current episodes, and those ones might be suffering. Are you accidentally causing that new material to have poor audio quality because you're so obsessed with your back catalog? Especially because when you look back, you may not actually have the source files to work on anymore. A lot of people get rid of their original working files once time has uh, passed and they no longer need these. So you might find it's even harder to clean up the audio in some of these back episodes. But some of the ways that you might want to focus on audio restoration is running some EQ to fix something like that overly bassy sound, perhaps running some noise reduction. Maybe you've got a new plugin that you wish you had early on. Doing some DSing or some declipping, maybe increasing the gain of a portion if you find that that was hard to hear. A lot of people don't realize audio balancing when they are early on in podcasting. You might want to just level the audio through the entire show considering the LUFS variable, the perceived sound. You might want to cut out those awkward technical issue moments. How many times have we heard that with an earlier podcaster where they're like, oh, sorry, having problems here. Let me fix this. And they leave that in. You might want to remove that. Or you might want to remove the annoying Canadian co-host random ramblings about moose and maple syrup. Yeah, that's valid. Unless that's part of your show, the Moose and Maple Syrup <laughs> show. If you do happen to have the source files, you can actually start from the ground up. It's going to take you some time, but you could perhaps master the file to a better sampling rate or bit rate. And you can not worry about the audio degradation because if you take a lossy file, like an MP3 file, that's a loss E file and you process it, you're going to end up degrading it. So if you actually have the original files, you have much less chance of distorting the sound even further once you're messing around with it with some of those plugins and techniques that Stephen was just talking about. Overall, what we talked about are fairly easy processes to do, but sometimes you may find yourself wanting or even needing to do more of a difficult back catalog revision. Perhaps you've had a situation where you need to remove somebody you previously had in your show. There could be many reasons to do this. For example, perhaps you don't want to be affiliated with them anymore. And that's for a variety of different reasons. This can be difficult because it can be hard to remove them if they were a part of the overall conversation, especially if it's across multiple episodes. If you have the source files, it can be a little bit easier if you had some multi-track recordings at the time. But if not, you may be looking at removing entire sections of your episodes or even deleting entire episodes from your uh, feed or making them back into draft form or whatever. Another difficult revision that you might try to make is when you've had over-talking or you've had talking while music is on the background going over the top of the content. 
without the multi-track source files for this, it's going to be next to impossible to remove. But sometimes people will take out certain sections to help solve this when they don't have these files. For example, a big section of over-talking. We have a few other recommendations as you're looking at your back catalog. And the first thing that we want to mention is that we do encourage you to keep your original files. So if you're going to make a change, we do recommend that you at least keep the original MP3. First, back this up before you start editing. And we suggest this because one day you may want to revisit that original cut. Again, referencing George Lucas, there's lots of geeks listening, know exactly what I'm saying right there. He's gone back and forth on changes many, many times with Star Wars. Additionally, we suggest that when you do publish, you overwrite on your hosting platform. So if it's your media host or wherever you're hosting that file, overwrite the original file. There's no guarantee that your replaced or overwritten file will be replaced to the entire audience. Once your file is downloaded, it's out of your hands, as we previously mentioned. However, there is a good portion of podcast directories that will ping and will redown the file. Eventually, everyone will be able to access your new file. And statistics are trending that most listeners consume via mobile devices. It's very rare that the original file will be kept on their device after listening because of all the storage requirements that we see people use with their phones every day. If a listener wants to consume your episode again, the odds are they'll probably have to restream or re-download that file. If you've overwritten it, then you know that they're getting that file. Replacing the audio file also means that your statistics for the episode can be kept all in one place. They're essentially consolidated. This will vary, of course, from media host to media host, but overall, that's probably how it's going to be found. You'll never have to lose the original statistics or combine them to get the complete picture of that episode's downloads. Keeping the original file name also might be an advantage depending on how your statistics are assembled. But this, again, varies from media host to media host. Of course, a more thorough way to make a corrected file available is to delete the original episode or just put the post back into draft mode and upload an entirely new file and episode. This will ensure that your new file will be downloaded to your audience. However, now you will have two files out there in the wild that some listeners can become confused or that you are drawing attention to anything controversial you might have removed from the episode. Why was it corrected? There's no perfect solution to this issue. However, your choice might depend on why you're replacing the file. If you're replacing the file just to make your show sound better for new listeners, a simple replace the file might be for the best. If you are removing controversial content, you might want to remove the episode and replace it with a corrected copy. It just depends on what you want to do and ultimately what you want to do with your statistics and everything that's going on in the back end with the episode. If you have any questions about that, you can hit us up at some time and we'll give you our recommendations. But now that your file has been completed and published, again, you want to consider the promotion aspect of it. If the intent was to entice new listeners to experience your show from episode one, you should promote what you did. Creating a playlist of your newly remastered content and making it available through social media and your website's a great idea to highlight this. Refer to the episodes on your current episodes for new listeners and provide links in your show notes. Really, again, you're highlighting that work that you did. 
on interviews or guest spots on other shows, make a short link for this and direct listeners to consume that content. And you may want to temper expectations that your current content is still king and your best produced stuff to date so that listeners who are going back still have a reasonable expectation on what they're going to see. And if the intent was to remove controversial content without anyone noticing, then promotion might not be in your best interest, of course. However, if you feel like you need to keep your integrity, announce it at the tail end of a current episode and just acknowledge that you've done something in order to highlight that change that's been made. It's important to maintain your integrity with your audience because it is a fragile relationship that you have, and being honest with yourself and your show is a way to respect your listener. So in summary, for how to deal with old episodes and remastering them or revising them, eventually, when you've been podcasting enough, you might be tempted to go back and do just that, correct the old episodes or remaster them. Make sure you focus on your reasons for doing so, though. Don't let the past content impede on current content creation. As long as you're in the file, focus on the changes you want to do and try to make those. Once the episode is published again or it's out, select how and why you want to promote the changes. And remember, going through old content is a way to help you rejuvenate yourself if you need to pick me up with your show, especially if you've happened to fire your Canadian co-host and want to relive the past episodes just to realize what a great idea that was. The document said what a terrible mistake you had made. This is the Better Podcasting Download. All right. Kidding aside from the opening today, uh, I know who Joe Rogan Rogan is. You know, uh, liked him on news radio. Uh, like, I forgot he was him, on that, by uh, the way. Fear Factor. I've known Joe Rogan for a long time. Me, he, he, me and him, we go way back. I just call him Joe. Oh, wait. That's what he calls himself. So <laughs> never, <right>. never mind. <laughs> and pro- I don't think he'd want to be called Mr. Rogan, but maybe. I don't know. I, I've never interacted with him. In the past week, there was a lot of coverage over the fact that Joe Rogan, with his show, Joe Rogan Experience, is going to go exclusive on Spotify. There was a floor for that deal in the $100 million range, and there are industry experts that say the actual cost of the acquisition was more like $200 million. And there has been some debate about what exactly this means. Does Spotify own all the content now? Does Joe own his own show? I don't know. But let's talk about what this means for hobby podcasters, because nobody has done that to the date. They're all worried about the podcast industry and independence and really the professional podcasters. One thing that everybody focused on is because this is going to be exclusive on Spotify, it no longer fits many of the definitions of what a podcast is. And I'm here to say, I think now the definition of a podcast is irrelevant, at least to the point where you need an RSS and it needs to be free to everybody. It's irrelevant because it really depends on what the public thinks of it. So if the public and Spotify continue to phrase JRE, which is what the short term for Joe Rogan experiences, JRE as a podcast, then that's what the public perception of what a podcast is. 
it is paywall content like any other podcast behind a paywall on any other platform, including Luminary. And video, the video portion that's going to be exclusive on Spotify is just like the video that's exclusive on YouTube or Twitch or Mixer or versus anything. It, it just doesn't matter. It is what people call it. If there is a show on YouTube and people call it a podcast where in our terms, where it doesn't have an RSS feed, we wouldn't call it a podcast, but it's being produced independently and people team seem to think it is a podcast, then it is a podcast. RSS feed or no RSS feed, it doesn't matter to the public as long as they can actually listen to it. Now, to relate this to hobby podcasting, your average podcast, which gets somewhere around 150 to 200 downloads per episode, it's not going to earn 100 to 200 million dollars anytime soon. I went to Wikipedia and I assembled some facts. So here you go. And, and a couple of the articles that I read over the course of the past week, Joe has an audience in the millions. He doesn't have an audience that's a thousand per episode or 10,000 per episode. It's more like 11 million per episode with at least 190 million downloads of his total content over a month. If you want to compare this to Howard Stern, he gets about a million listens or downloads per episode. So Joe Rogan underneath the current business model is outpacing Howard Stern by far. And let's take a look at the comparison between you and Joe. The name recognition, Joe Rogan. Everybody knows, well, most people know who Joe is. Does everybody know who you are? Probably not. And this just didn't happen overnight. Joe just didn't have a podcast one day and then Spotify rolled around the next week and said, hey, we're going to give you 100 million. Here's some things that I dredged up on Wikipedia. And yes, this was Wikipedia research. He started, I believe, in, um, I forget the year, but he had eight years of stand-up first. Then he did five years of sitcom television, which included Newsroom, which I for totally forgot he was on Newsroom. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, that was, I love Newsroom. It was a great show. I, I enjoyed watching it. News Radio. Oh, it was News Radio. It was Newsroom. News Radio. News, newsroom was what, the HBO show? Did I get that confused? Yeah, great. I did. Okay. It was News Radio. I love that show. And I believe it, it was in Florida. I think I, I tend to think that it was set in Florida. Anyway. Then he did nine years of UFC announcing and Fear Factor, and some of that overlapped with the five years. So it's, it's, re it's not really 14 years, it's 12 years. And then he did four years worth of comedy specials, and that's where his true love was. He said that his sitcom television was not really challenging for him, but it was great for him because he was able to get a paycheck and work on his stand-up routines at night. So he really enjoyed those years from that perspective. And then following all that, he podcasted for 11 years. This is not just three years that we've been talking about for people to start making money and stay at home. He's been podcasting for 11 years. So that's a total of 26 years of industry experience. So if you think you're going to quit your job and then run to Spotify and get $100 million, it's not going to happen overnight. It took Joe 26 years. So are signing exclusive deals with people like Luminary and Spotify or whoever else comes along, are they in the best interest of your hobby podcast? And I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, no, it is not. It will limit your audience growth. 
And I will give the example of the Luminary shows right now. There's a few shows out there that were just huge and Luminary bought them up thinking that they could get a bunch of great shows and people would just flock to them and listen to them. Well, that might have been true. People might have wanted to listen to them just like they'll want to listen to Joe and get Spotify subscriptions. But this is at the cost of their audience. Not everybody is going to want to get a Spotify subscription and listen to Joe. So his 11 million listeners per episode, they're going to go down. Now, is this going to hurt him overall? I mean, he already has name recognition, so maybe, maybe not. I don't think it will, but it's definitely going to hurt the amount of people that want to or can listen to his show. And it might stifle, if you sign an exclusive agreement as a hobby podcaster, it might stifle the ability to earn income in other ways from your show. And it depends on the legal agreements. Like, I don't know what Joe is now going to be able to do outside of a show using his show as a backdrop and what he's not. This is all stuff that's tied up in legalese. So if you are using your show to promote other services or products, then you might not be able to actually get those in with your agreement, with your exclusivity. In here's the thing that really hurts me as a podcaster, especially as a hobby podcaster, depending on the agreement, you might lose control over your IP. You might con- lose control of the episodes themselves. You might lose control of the creative content, which I've heard in Joe's case, he's not going to lose creative content control, but I don't know. Maybe he will in the future. Who knows? And as I said, does this matter for Joe? No, he's going to get paid. He's getting paid and, and his staff. I have to believe that it's not just him getting this payday, but it's an overall payday. He's going to get paid enough that I don't think this is going to matter too much to him. He's still going to be a household name. And once his deal with Spotify runs out or he reaches the point where he can retract from the agreement, he can always change to another company or go at it on his own again. So the next part that I wrote in the show notes is, are we happy or mad at Joe? And it's basically just our thoughts. And I know a lot of people have been happy or mad. Steven, do you want to go first here? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go ahead and go first. And I'll just say in the context of today's conversation about this, uh, what it means for podcasting, what it means for hobby podcasters is is summarized with I don't care. Uh, that That's the summary of it is I don't care because of the fact that I personally believe that this has been made such a big deal because of the fact that there are some perhaps what were bigger names or are big names in podcasting that are really just sticking with sort of stuck in the mud type opinions and are really just trying to make this into a big deal because it goes against what they personally believe or maybe it's coming from another place like maybe, I don't know, jealousy or something like that. I just I really feel like this has been blown up for really silly reasons. And part of that is because there's been many people talking about, well, it's not a podcast anymore. Oh, how can it be a podcast if it's not on an RSS feed? And it's just like for years, even on this show, we've been talking about how really our opinion has been that a consumer will define what a podcast is. And, And we've said this, at least I'll say I've said this before, that I think if you look at other entertainment forms, This has happened many, many different ways, like television. Look at something that is produced by Netflix and distributed specifically through Netflix. There are people who consume that on a computer. There is no television involved with that, but people still call it a TV series. 
I think we've seen what definition were of TV has evolved over the years. Same thing with things like a music album, music albums, albums are released all the time and they're digital only. They're not what was traditionally an album. And so that's why I've always said, I don't know why podcasting is special. I'm sorry. It, it, it's cool. I love it. I do this as my hobby, but why is it any more special than music or television? The consumer will decide what that is. And so I think it breaks down further to like, if you look, there's certain podcasters that distribute through an app that they offer, or sometimes they might be like, hey, we're dropping a special episode. We got super detailed uh, information. It's something you don't want to miss, but you'll only be able to get it first through our app. And then it'll later be available elsewhere. Or they just go and they they encourage people to use the app and it's still downloading through the RSS, but it's, you know, people, some people are downloading just through the app. Well, are you segmenting those downloads? Are, are you trying to determine which ones were done through the app specifically and which were done through the traditional RSS podcast method? It doesn't matter that the app is hooking into the RSS feed. It's the same net result. You're making someone download it through an exclusive place or someone is downloading it through a non-traditional method. So I just think like you start to break this down on a granular level and the fact that it doesn't have an RSS feed, it just doesn't hold water. And I think it's just people that are grumpy. And so that's why I say I don't care. I don't I don't care that he's moving because people, like you said, will still see it as a podcast. Some will drop off, but people will still see it as a podcast. I know people who watch his the YouTube videos and they see those and they see videos and things like that. And they call it the Joe Rogan podcast. They, they don't care that they're not listening to a podcast. That's what they know it as is a podcast. So that's my take on it. My take starts with $100 million to $200 million. You kind of take that you, you take that every single time that it's offered to you because it is just an outlandish number in this stage spotify has thrown some amazing amounts of money around and this is by far the biggest amount of money that i saw for an individual show is joe rogan number one in the podcasting space a lot of people have said that a lot of charts have said that Okay, so you bought number one. Now let's see what you're going to do with that. Now let's see what you're going to do with your entirety of your distribution system. You're trying to create the Netflix, the true Netflix of podcasting. You know, Luminary said that from the beginning, then retracted from it. But ultimately, that sort of business model. Okay, fine. But as a podcaster, as a creator, if somebody's offering you that, that's that's setting you and your family up for life. So yes, you say yes every time. The long, as Stephen said, the longstanding podcast industry is definitely hurt to lose Joe and Joe Rogan experience from its ranks and revenue streams. But that in of itself means little to hobbyists. So it's just a bunch of industry back and forth. As a hobbyist, you don't really care about that. Will this change the free form of the podcast space? So let's talk about that because that is definitely the thing that really matters to most hobby podcasters. Not today, probably not even next year. Eventually it could. I mean, this is sort of the stuff that we've been talking about since better podcasting began. And we started this segment was to look at the podcast industry and what it means to hobbyists. Now, I've been saying for a while that if something fundamental in the podcasting space changes, that it 
would and could hurt hobby podcasts as we know it. The example that I gave at the time specifically was what if a major player like Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I believe I said at the time, but you can extend it to Google Podcasts, Spotify or whatever. What if they charge you as a hobby podcaster to be included in their directories? That is definitely a stop, a wall between you and getting your content out everywhere. Will you still be able to put your show out on the internet somehow? Yes, that's not going to go away, but you might not be as discoverable in these uh, directories as it has been the last 10 years. It's just probably not going to happen if that happens. I'm not going to say, I'm not saying that that's happening today. I'm not ever going to say it's definitely going to happen, but these are the sorts of things that I'm looking at the industry going. If you want to make sure your hobby podcast is still a hobby podcast five, 10 years from now, I would pay attention to this stuff. I would pay attention to industry moves like this and huge moves as well, like JRE. Yeah, I I think you hit that on the head there. I think it's just an example on the evolution that's happening. And I think that it's not surprising. Um, Additionally, there are people and organizations within podcasting that are becoming less relevant. And that's when you start to see this shift. It adds to what happens. You know, someone has a big piece of the pie and then someone else comes in with and they they want an almost big piece of the pie. And so you're going to see that shift happen. So I, I yeah, again, I don't really care in the context of today's discussion. By the way, last week, we actually delved into a couple of other industry topics that came out in episode eight of the Better Podcasting Live. One thing that we covered was Google Podcast Portal. It has come out now. So especially if you have stuff that is in Google Play Music Store, you might want to take a look at that portal and listen to our episode to see what you need to do and what is even capable of doing it because we ran into some issues. I won't belabor that point right here. So just go back and listen to that. Also, There was this whole thing about Podcast Addict. It's the app that's on Android for podcast listening. It was removed from the Google Play Store. It came back again, removed, it came back again, whatever. Right now, it is still in the Google Play Store, but there's a whole thought about why it was removed and not the actual Google Podcast app. So we actually talked about that last week. Next week, because we didn't have enough time to talk about it this week, we're going to be talking about podcast media host services and the various discussion about the upgrades and creation of stuff and even more is coming out today. So I anticipate a couple of more articles to be talked about in episode nine, which will be next week. So make sure you check that out. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. We had some great feedback over the past week. So thank you very much to everybody that interacts with us, specifically on a Discord server, which you can find at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We had a post from Newsreel, and he said, I'm thinking about starting a spinoff podcast. And uh, because of that, I'm thinking of trying a different podcast or a different hosting service to have his episodes on. He was leaning towards... Uh, Lipson or Spreaker. And my questions back to him are just, why do you want to do either or? Because there are pros and cons to every, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the live chat. Every single one of these podcast media hosts has a positive and a negative, And it really just depends on how you want to use it. 
in order to decide what is best for you. We had an interesting comment come in from Damien the DM on the 19th, and he said, Podbean has started the process for IAB certification. Now, we're not sure where this was said. Uh, Damien was the one that reported that to us. So it is a rumor at this point. Um, I'm assuming he, they must have said it somewhere, whether it was a group in Facebook or something else. But uh, that would be interesting because I think that's they're a huge provider, and I think that they would benefit from being IAB certified. I think they would. And both Stephen and I tried to research this and neither of us came up with a definitive statement from Podbean or from the IAB saying that Podbean was undergoing certification. I have no doubt that they are. We just have no confirmation of that. So if they do get certified, then it is just going to be another checkmark positive for the service. And lastly, let's take a little feedback from the chat room. If you didn't know this, we stream this live on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific over at www.geeks.live. And we had a loyal listener, Johnny Pennington, notice something. He said, quote, there are only five mics on Steven's backdrop. Is there a hidden meaning? Has a thief appeared? Did the kids get in and mess with Steven's studio? Inquiring minds want to know, end quote. And if you have not checked out the video side of things, uh, I do have a backdrop behind me. Um, it's, it's basically backlit, and on there are several different microphones. And yes, Johnny's right. From the beginning of this, there has been six microphones on there. I have many more that I could place, but then I'd have to get... Number one, I'd probably drop them because I kind of grab the empty spot as I wheel the backdrop every single week. But two, uh, I'd have to buy some stands. Here's the thing. SP made me send it to him. No, that's not true. Uh, what happened was uh, I have kids. I've mentioned it. I have kids and there's online learning that is happening, as you might imagine, in today's climate right now. And so do you think that Steven is going to let his son get on a call with a crappy webcam audio or a laptop audio. That's not happening. That's right. So one of them is temporarily sitting up in Studio B, which is the kitchen table. So Studio B uh, is set up with that. And because uh, it, it, it's on the laptop, it's not a good camera, but it is a Logitech uh, C270. So still a step up from the built-in laptop uh, camera. So uh, Studio B is where that microphone resides right now. And if you are very, very astute, you will see that it is the shorter stand because kids, they, they don't sit great at the uh, dining room table. So the closer, the lower that microphone is right now, the better it is or I have to get pillows. <laughs> yeah, for those that haven't been following, I had a Studio B, which I just took down, at least for the summer for now. We'll probably have to put it back up in the fall. I have a Studio C where I actually do my telework and I don't do it here just to separate work and home stuff. And I have a Studio D, which is a small photo studio. So it's a little studio. So I call it a Studio D. But I had to vacate Studio C for a little bit and I was at the kitchen table. So I'm not there anymore, but I guess I had a temporary Studio E. So yeah, this whole telework and remote distance learning thing has allowed us podcasters that happen to have some gear spread the wealth a little bit. And I'm glad to see that the microphone went to a good use, Stephen. And I'm a little disappointed at the 720, but, you know, you have to do what you have to do. <laughs> if the laptop was better, I would. 
But that's going to go ahead and take us towards the end of the show. Before we wrap up, I just want to take a moment to remind you betterpodcasting.com has a lot of great content on there. And also, if you want to check out our live chats, as we mentioned, we do have some fun talk over there. Uh, We had a little bit of conversation about sort of some of the things that we have had to do. I know we just promoted a couple of things, but I want to say as well, we've also over the weeks had a bit of a chat about the way that these uh, the the situation has really impacted our setups. We've both been affected in different ways with this, and it's kind of had an impact on our different setups. Sometimes gear is being repurposed. Sometimes it's just mental fatigue for me being in the same space over and over. So those are some of the sort of off the cuff conversations that we also have over there because we do pull a bunch of things to talk about based off of questions that were asked, but we also do some off the cuff talk also that's related to podcasting. So please check that out, uh, betterpodcasting.com. And also, if you want to check out Gunna Geek, gunnageek.com has a bunch of amazing geeky content over there. SP's show called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's about to start back up with the prime content. I know you've been doing the off-season content, but the prime content is about to come back. Tomorrow night, it will be the premiere episode of Season 7, the finale season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I will watch that live. I'll probably try to live-tweet that, and then Thursday night, the night afterwards, we're going to record our first review show of that and that's when legends of shield will be moving to thursday nights 9 p.m eastern you can find that at geeks.live you could join the conversation all about agents of shield and the mcu in the interim because the mcu is kind of on hiatus until that people can go back to the theaters to see black widow and it's just a sign of the times but yeah lots of fun stuff happening over at legends of shield part of the gunnageek.com network So for episode 226 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, please check out betterpodcasting.com. And also apparently SP is going to fire me again. I don't think I'll fire you again, Stephen, but thank you to our listeners for checking us out. And I look forward to seeing you on episode 227. See you guys. Bye. Bye. for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching. And we hope to see you again next week.